In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in. To kind of catapult the propaganda. It's time for the December 4th edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, a reality-based mash of contemporary events compiled from the world's great newspapers and blogs at NathanCallahan.com and ripped in part from Harper's Magazine at Harper's.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And now the news. A U.S. National Intelligence Estimate reported... Report... Yes. Not reported. Well... You know those... What do they call them? The NIEs. Yes, the National Intelligence Estimate. As if there is a estimate of our intelligence. (laughs) It's certainly not not been uh, the case of late, but... yeah. Uh, That report... Yes. A new one. Yeah. A National Intelligence Estimate report, which which I believe is, is compiled by our intelligence agencies... Yes, it that's is. That's why they call it an intelligence report. It, it is a con- supposed to be a consensus of the 16 intelligence agencies within the United States government. That, that means that we have entrusted these folks yeah. with our security yeah. and with intelligence on the rest of the world in case we are about to be attacked. Or or, or, or if some... Yeah, or whatever. Eminent yeah. threat. Eminent, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or something uh, catastrophic is going to happen somewhere in the world. Uh-huh. Like... Maybe the collapse of the Soviet Union, which yeah. we apparently missed somehow. Yeah. Our uh-huh. estimates. Uh, that's but, because Reagan did it all himself. That's why. He, yeah. You know, the the national intelligence folks. Yeah. They were looking elsewhere. Yeah. When they should have known all along yeah. that it was Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Who was destroying the Soviet? <laughs> all hail, all hail. Uh, did I say that a national intelligence estimate report contradicted Bush? administration assertions that Iran is building an atomic bomb. Yeah. You did I say that? No, you didn't say that. You oh. just now said it. Yeah. Yeah. So what they did, all these people, and by the were way, widely trust with our intelligence. Yeah, yeah. By the way, widely reported that the US, that the White House has been stonewalling uh whatever uh what's the word I'm looking for? They've been trying to keep this thing under wraps for at least the last year. It's been ready for the last year. Only because uh, some Senate Democrats on the Intelligence Committee and others have been pressuring the uh, this report, uh, the White House, to let this report come out. So the Democrats would say, "Well, what about that National Intelligence report?" And the White House would say, uh, yeah. "What report?" Well, or, in, especially in light of the fact that for the it. last couple of years, the White House has been beating the drum for us to go after Iran, for and and by all by almost anyone's account using military as the primary option on this. And so the Senate Democrats and others have been saying, well, wait a minute, let's see what the intelligence community has to say. I'm going to play a little guessing game with okay. you here. Yeah. Who do you think was skeptical skeptical about the report that says that Iran is, uh, well, is not building nuclear weapons right now? Oh, we don't would, need... uh, you mean specific, yeah, just, like the yeah, vice president? Oh, pick a country. Oh, the United States. No, who, who, who was oh. skeptical? Outside the United States, um, We're, our administration is just uh, you know. Oh, you mean the Brits trying to ignore it ever happened? Yeah, no, I Israel, mean, Israel. Oh, I was thinking of, of okay. all the people who would be skeptical of such a report. Right, it is Israel. Okay, they said Tehran. Well, the the report said that Tehran had halted its nuclear weapons program in two thousand and three. They said no, no. 
I'm sorry, the report said that. <laughs> okay. Can okay. we start again? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, A U.S. National yeah, Intelligence yeah. Estimate report contradicted Bush administration assertions. Iran is building an atomic bomb. Right. Israel was skeptical about the report, which said Tehran had halted its nuclear weapons program in 2003, and British folks, yeah. the people in Britain, yes. they urged continued pressure on Iran. So the the uh, the uh, coalition of the willing, which is Great Britain, Israel, and the United States, yeah. are the ones who are holding out. That it sounds like the at least the administrations of these countries are holding out that no matter what the intelligence community, sixteen intelligence agencies in the United States government are saying, yeah, they're saying no. That's well, well, right. Britain's not even saying that. Britain's saying we need to continue to pressure them, which I don't have a problem continuing to pressure. All of the Depends countries. What the pressure is. Well, I don't know well, what pressure. Well, that's true. You know, and, and what we, kind of sanctions well, are you going to do? Continuing. Let's starve them. I wish. I wish that the United States, Britain, and Israel uh, pursued this policy with the same fervor for every country on the planet that currently is is built or is building nuclear weapons. They could do it on themselves. They, uh, that's my they, point. Is which I wonder if they get that right. Start too. with themselves. If if they did a national yeah. intelligence estimate on themselves, yeah. How I, far off how, would they be? <laughs> how many? Yeah. So anyway, the point is, yes, of course, we do not want more nations building more nuclear weapons. But I don't know that this is relevant, completely relevant. But I, there was a report, and I read a, a couple of other confirming stories, which is because Iran is developing a larger and larger infrastructure more industrialization, more more infrastructure within the country, that they're consuming more and more of their of their oil production for domestic use and that they are in fact searching for for alternative power sources. And one of those avenues, unfortunately, in my mind, is nuclear power. And the United uh-huh. States, Britain and France that are among the largest producers of nuclear we- uh, power in the in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly. So I'm not excusing Tehran in some pursuit of nuclear weapons here. But in fact, there is some co- contravailing stories uh, about and evidence, not just stories, it's evidence, that in fact they may be pursuing a civilian use of nuclear power. Right, you are. All right. Okay. It's just a part of the story that you never hear anything about. I thought it just needed to be said. So, Well, that would make one of you. That would be... <laughs> That would be that. The Bush administration formally committed America to a long-term military presence yeah. presence we had in this, Iraq. We had the beginnings of this discussion last week. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they yeah. they really got it. They really got it going. Know, they, yeah. they, they hugged. They kissed. Yeah. They yeah. They laughed. They, they cried. They yeah. I know. Well, they spent the night together. <laughs> Did they consummate the relation? The they uh, pledged this, to protect the government it, in Baghdad it, from internal coup plots and foreign enemies. Yes. Well, like, this, well, like like the United States, like, for example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like for that's right. Like we'll never let something like this happen again. <laughs> don't, yes, exactly <laughs> don't worry. Right. You will never get don't invaded. Worry. You'll never. We've invaded you. <laughs> yes, and I just wanted to kind of follow on to my point, which was this. This led to, this digressed into a discussion of when I attempted to frame the issue what? in a way that we could understand nobody in wants the that much. political context by saying nobody. Everybody is a projection of our idea of the Monroe Doctrine into the Middle East. I'm just going to back away from that for a second and just say 
that we're just so, Monroe Doctrine. See, this this is, I, I will tell no, you, this the is problem what I have with all this that is, all is, I'm saying, it, it's a you bring, it's, you're bringing baggage in, though. People aren't saying, oh, yeah, the Monroe Doctrine, now that makes a lot of sense. It does as it a frame of it does as a frame of reference i, I was inarticulate last week about the way you're I, saying that the monroe doctrine the, the that idea what we're doing the idea in, of in projecting Iraq right now u.s military a u.s uh sphere of influence that's what we're doing okay let me let me let's erase well, that's the monroe all you're going to do a sphere of influence that's what that's what the monroe doctrine. oh yes is. i know that if that's all you're saying but you were bringing into the context of uh, colonization, the rest colonizing the rest of the world, and although there might have been elements in that in the Monroe Doctrine, things have changed dramatically since the Monroe Doctrine, as far as our military might has gone. See now, and you, and, it, now and it's and the main problem I have with bringing up the Monroe Doctrine, yes, is because lefties don't need to do that stuff. I understand. Lefties don't understand. need to hang themselves like that. They make a good point, and then they bring up, well, George Washington was corrupt, you know. Yeah. And I, you're going, I understand. what does that have to do with anything? I, Why are you delving into our country's history and telling me that somebody was so, corrupt or some system so, was corrupt 200 years ago? It, it undermines everything you're trying to do. So I should have just said the U.S. is attempting to project a sphere of influence in the United States, I mean, in the Middle East. Uh, that a permanentism would be a, per- a nice permanent a nice sphere term, of influence, which we have had since the end of World War II. Anyway, uh, we've installed numerous corrupt regimes in the, in the uh, region in order to maintain this business relationship we have. Right, you are. All right. Baghdad is facing a catastrophe with cases of cholera rising sharply in the past three weeks to more than 100, strengthening fears that poor sanitation and the imminent rainy season that would be coming right up could create an epidemic. So so that's not good. Oh, it just sounds... You uh, know, what? when we talk to Dar Jamal in another half an hour, so I'm going to ask him about the, uh, the not cholera. Not so much, epi- not so <laughs> much. Because that oh, was going to... Anybody, anybody's listening now. Dar Jamal had an upset tummy, and, and who knows what's going on. To me, it sounded like he wanted to get there fast. You know, I don't know if you <laughs> cons- if, if you considered this at all. But what? He may have cholera. I... Well, let's pray to God that he doesn't. He could. I mean... Is, uh, is it transmittable via the phone? I don't know. But, I mean, anyway, no. President that's, Bush... That was, that was a bad joke. President Sorry, Bush is... I know it wasn't a joke. He might have cholera. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's a laugh that's right. A laugh right. <laughs> it is. Tell you when, that's so funny. When, yeah, my headphones fell yeah, off. Yeah, your headphones fell right off. The, the guffawing on this end of the... Uh, sorry about that. That was a bad President Bush is warning the Pentagon may soon begin issuing layoff notices unless Democrats stop a withdrawal deadline from a war funding bill. Come on. <laughs> you just read that story and, and you can peer into the shallowness of the Bush administration. All you have to do is read that sentence. Yeah. Well, you know, we might have to lay off the the folks that are working if if you want better conditions here. You know, the the word that comes to mind it, it, when I among many that come to mind about George Bush, and that is a petulant, spoiled child, man child, is what he is, and and it, almost everything he says when he is on the defensive comes across as that. I'm not getting my way, uh, and. Uh, I'm going to tell my daddy or something. I mean, that, that's kind of, or I'm going to I'm going to take the ball and I'm going to go home. He's not going to do this, and the Democrats should have some sense to challenge him on this stuff. Yeah, I don't know why they don't, but they don't, and um, and we're stuck with what we got. And and you know, the, the, here here's the crux of the matter. Yeah, 
The White House has refused to accept a democratic measure yeah. providing $50 billion for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, but sending, setting a non-binding goal. That's all they're asking for is a non-binding goal. That right. means that right. nobody really has to keep this. We just want a date to come out of your mouth. Give us some estimate as to when we're going to well, get out of these things. Well, they things can't now. Or withdrawal. Well, they can't. They just signed a, what you just described was a permanent relationship with Iraq. Yeah. That is, that's, that, the rest of this is irrelevant now. I, I, and they there did times. And the, and the other thing I think we need to explain on that story uh, about this arrangement, this relationship we're going to be having with Iraq for the rest of our lifetimes, it, it is not a treaty that they've used this some kind of ploy, the executive uh, branch or the executive uh, the president has at his disposal to sign these pacts mm-hmm. that are not subject to Senate approval, which is one more example of how dem- undemocratic this administration is. They, normally, you sign a, 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 an agreement with a, a like this in the past in our history. You needed Senate approval. Yeah. No, they've somehow figured out a way, and somehow, and the courts aren't going to do anything about it because they're packed with not just right wing conservatives, but the last two appointments to the Supreme Court, uh, Roberts and uh, I'm not Scalia. Oh my God, I'm just blanking out. The two last appointments, Alito, Alito uh-huh. are were attorneys for the president they were presidential they were executive branch attorneys their job was to to essentially enhance the power of the presidency these are the deciding votes uh, in on in the use of supreme court they're not going to suddenly wake up one morning and say what was i thinking i'm going to try and limit executive power they spent their careers in pursuit of enhancing presidential and executive branch power mm-hmm. so this all is just a big sh- big crappy game going on right now crappy game i was going to say something else and uh, and we're on oh, the other end of it okay yeah okay the bush administration quietly took prominent italian-based businessman ahmed idris nasreddin yeah. and a dozen of his financial companies and other holdings off the official blacklist for top financiers who back terrorism and the united nations immediately did the same Neither agency publicly announced the decision or explained why they were doing so. They simply published the the delisting in an updated list of enforcement actions. So there was a person, Mr. Nasruddin, who is financing terrorism around the world. We put him on a blacklist on September 11th. No fly list. A no fly list. Well, we put him on a a a list of uh, many other things. He was on a potential... Yeah. Uh, don't do business with this guy terror, list. A, ter- a suspected terrorist list, I would yeah. assume that would be an apt yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and they, they simply delisted him without any explanation. They seem to be saying that he was a bad guy, but that he renounced being a bad guy, said Victor D. Comras, a former State Department official who participated in the global designation of Nasruddin when he belonged to the United Nations Al-Qaeda Monitoring Group. This is calmed. Comrades, yeah. when he belonged to that group, right, right. he participated in putting Nasruddin on that group. If that's the criteria, wow, said Comrades. Yeah. Wow. A lot of people will try to get off the list. All they have to do is say, we're not doing it anymore. Yeah. And that's essentially uh, what's th- gone on here. I suspect this is one of those stories where we're going to find out that somewhere along the line, I'm just making this part up, but we're going to find that it was a business arrangement that he has with somebody that we want him to have a relation, or we are yeah. encouraging him to have a business relationship Absolutely. with some kind of back channel 
CIA intelligence operation. We're going to find all this stuff out soon enough. And, and, and Can we the, guess that the House of Saud is involved? Yeah, we could. Yeah. That'd be an apt description. And, and let's maybe and put that aside, put that speculation aside. If you think that this administration is good at something, you, you've got to believe that they're good at, in the pursuit of bad people. At least that's been their calling card. We're going after the terrorists. We'll smoke them out, you know, yeah. dead or alive and all that sort of nonsense. They can't do this. They can't do this even. They're so gr- grotesquely incompetent. They can't do what? They can't keep a, a by, by this guy's account and others, I'm sure, a terrorist, a supporter of a terrorist network, uh-huh. financially speaking. They can't keep him on a list when they've probably got... Uh, well, they got friends. they got... And when they've it's got, not incompetent. No, but I'm... It's, I'm it's, well... It's practicality among thieves when you've probably got college professors on this list that probably can't get on an airplane without being hassled for uh you know not to mention you and me yeah not to mention i i, I kind of hope i'm on that list bush wrapped up i know you do bush wrapped you know and and you would until until you were busted and then and then you think twice about your stupidity <laughs> but nothing more than that bush wrapped up a three-day midi summit with a pledge to increase the u.s role in future peace talks <laughs> well, yeah, that was called Annapolis, yeah. and that was probably yeah. the biggest sham that's happened as far a as peace day, goes in was, in the last. I want to say there 12 were twelve forty years. parties involved, something like that. Forty parties show up in Annapolis, yeah, for one day, one day, and we're going to solve. They drink, they have lunch, they have dinner, <laughs> they say goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, by the time you get through the hors d'oeuvres, I mean, by the time you get through the continental breakfast, yeah, continental, and then you've got, and, and then the introduction, the introduction, you know, and by if, Le- if Larry Agron had anything to do with it, <laughs> the introductions would go on for about three hours. They would break yeah. for lunch at that time, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By the time you get around the table with I'm so and so from, yeah, right. You know, Wherever, and then you have your lunch, a break for your lunch, a little bit of chicken and and some rice and maybe a salad. And get through yeah. that, and then, and then you're feeling a little logy by you know one one thirty two o'clock. I retire for a, yeah. maybe a quick a smoke. <laughs> smoke, yeah, and maybe and maybe yeah. some tea, and then and then you and then you. What were we here for? <laughs> oh, I forgot. Right. Why oh yeah, peace. peace, peace in the middle of right. yeah. this intractable thousand year problem we're going to solve by yeah. by 4:30 and and the pledge after all that <laughs> this is ridiculous. was was we're going to be in it, we're going to have a role in future peace talks yeah and by as the if way. we weren't going to have a role whoops gee i'm glad we got <laughs> together i would have thought that we weren't going to have a role oh. in future peace talks if we hadn't had this peace talk and by the way we uh, by the way 3 or 4 days later the us says well whatever you guys said we don't really care cuz we're going to do it anyway and uh, which brings us to Condoleezza Rice, <laughs> who has offered Paul Wolfowitz, yes. Paul Wolfowitz, a prime architect of the Iraq War. Rice offered him a position as chairman of the International Security Advisory Board, which is a State Department panel uh, giving, giving him access to highly classified intelligence and advising, advising Rice on disarmament and nuclear proliferation yeah. and weapons of mass destruction issues. So you you have the person who got us into the biggest military disaster yeah. that we've been involved in ever. Maybe ever. Yeah. yeah. And, and you rehire him on to advise you in matters that, that could get you involved in even worse stuff. Well, and and let's, let's forget that middle step, which is he was apparently a colossal failure at the World Bank. Uh-huh. I mean, so much so that he was – that they essentially – they banded together to kick him out. Now, I have heard, in fairness to Mr. Wolfwoods, I have heard 
that he was running up against a bureaucracy that at the was, World Bank. At the World Bank, yeah. that was an an intractable bureaucracy. I would just drop the World Bank off the chart. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there are mitigating circumstances, but yeah. certainly his experience within the U.S. government was a catastrophe. Yeah. Absolutely. This, all you have to do is say, Paul Wolf yeah. with Iraq War. Right. I, can you imagine if you were, I had a job somewhere mm-hmm. where we destroyed a company to the degree that our country has been destroyed because of the Iraq War. Yeah. And, and then going out and, and going back and reapplying for a job at that company. And, and, and not only reapplying for a job, you didn't even reapply. You were right. asked back. They went, yeah. They said, yeah. oh, wait a second. Yeah. You know, we, we've rethought this thing. Yeah. Even though you caused all these problems, we're a chief architect in, in causing all these problems. Yeah. Ah, what the heck? Come on I back. Mean, if there's anyone who was sort of the face of the administration, I mean, testifying in front of Congress a number of times, I've seen this footage of him saying that the war was going to cost 5 to $7 billion tops. And mm-hmm. that probably, and that we would in all likelihood well, he misunderestimated. Be, be, be sharing Iraqi oil revenue and that we would get paid back in no time. I'm, I've seen this footage. Five to seven billion dollars, and the other, and the other, of course, and and he was there all the time talking about how now important. Now are we over a trillion yet, or or is that was just no, the we, estimates? No, of, no. Of well, actually, coming up is the latest thing, which came came out from a group called the Economists for for Peace and Security, uh-huh. terrific group doing some great work. Uh, Joseph Stillwitz, Stillitz, whatever, Stiglitz, Come on, don't Stiglitz. Anyway, doing the this economic study said that this war will. Over time, cost us around two trillion dollars. Yeah, and one but area right now, right now we're about. Uh, I, think I think we're, we're beneath about, a trillion. Yeah, just a little bit under a trillion dollars. Yeah. But what he was saying was with this, something that's been grossly under underestimated, which is the care of the returning Iraqi oh, veterans, which is which is scandalous in the sense that it's not an issue that's being talked about now. But this, the projection for what this is going to cost this country over their lifetimes is in the hundreds of billions of dollars. So the guy that says something's going to cost... Five, five to seven trillion... A billion, yeah. billion dollars, pardon me. Billion dollars is actually going to cost two trillion dollars, right. and, and you invite him back in. Well, this is in, really, this is very much in keeping with the administration's pattern, which is when you really... You can't just screw up a little bit. You have to screw up a lot. Mm-hmm. George Tenet, director of the CIA, bad data... Telling, advising the president on all these things, supposedly telling him all the things he wanted to hear, Medal of Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, excuse me, but that's, that's another thing. I think that's another item. And I, and I, I don't, and I don't believe it, anything you just said. They, they're, they're interested in, their, in, in making money. And, and, and the reason, it, when we say it costs $2 trillion, well... A lot of those two trillion dollars went two, to Halliburton right. Somebody, and yeah. Kellogg Bonner and Ruth yeah, yeah, yeah. and and and, and yeah. Lockheed and and every other defense contractor that who's are dependent on these corrupt individuals like Wolfowitz to keep them afloat, right. to keep the game going, right. to keep keep the oil economy afloat. A lot, and and, and they're, they're they're not looking at this as a failure. No one's looking at this as a failure. Yeah. And, and there, the the reward was just because the guy wanted the reward, uh, the award. I mean, yeah. you know, the Medal of Honor well, or whatever it, they get. That those are just jokes anymore, and it's a shame because I'm sure at one point in time people actually earned those. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Wolfowitz and um, there's others, um, uh, Bremer. The, these guys cut their teeth initially in uh, government with uh, a Democratic senator, uh, Henry Scoop Jackson. Scoop from uh, this great state of Washington. He was better known in uh, Senate circles 
as the senator from Boeing. I love it when he drove the floor with James Worthy. It, yeah, he yeah. had that. He had scoop that little. Jackson. He could scoop that. Yeah. yeah, he had that little underhanded thing. You know, he'd flip yeah. it up and, and back he, forth, yeah, yeah. misdirect, misdirect, toss it worthy, so, slam it home. <laughs> so, uh, scoop, uh, scoop, Jackson. scoop, the senator from Boeing, uh-huh. is where a lot of these neocons initially got their start. They were, um, they were definitely Pentagonists, if you will. These yeah. were guys who never met a. Uh, an arms program that they didn't love and vote for, and uh, so th- so this, these people, the Dems and the Republicans, share a tremendous amount of responsibility in all of this. America told Britain that it can kidnap British citizens if they are wanted for crimes in the United States. A senior lawyer for the American government has told the Court of Appeal in London that kidnapping foreign citizens is permissible under American law because the U.S. Supreme Court has sanctioned it. <laughs> well, we can just go on. There's, there's really nothing to talk about there, huh? In Pakistan, President Pervez Musharraf voted to lift a state of emergency on December 16th. Musharraf made the pledge as he was sworn into a new five-year presidential term one day after stepping down as military chief. The Pakistani opposition leader Nawaz Sharif has been banned from taking part in January's elections. So you just fashion this thing all up, you know, okay, I'll take off my military uniform, and okay, the state of emergency is lifted, as if that that is somehow a positive. It's it's like shooting someone in the head and saying, oops, yeah, uh, sorry, I shot you in the head. No, yeah, yeah, um, well, it's like shooting something to me, shooting somebody in the uh, foot. In the foot, and yeah. say, I, I could have shot you. I was, I was talking about grazing the head. Uh, okay. Was, you know, maybe like parting the hair. Yeah. I could have shot you in the head, but yeah. yeah. I shot you in the foot. foot. Stop complaining, and you're all well now. So what's the difference? By the way, by the way, I like what. And by the way, anyone who's interested, if they want to visit NathanCallahan.com and and subscribe to the daily readings, you should do that because you had a quote from Bush on this. Yeah. The Bush quote was, "You can't be." Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't be head of the military and president at the same Same time, time. which of course is what he is. (laughs) Exactly what he is. It was a quote from just a couple of days ago saying. Yeah, he's talking about Musharraf and saying, well, you can't be head of the military <laughs> yeah. and president of the, of the what same are you day. Thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? What kind there? of country would that <laughs> what, happen what, in? What are you people thinking? Yeah, yeah and so, Mr. President, <laughs> that's exactly. Mr. Pre- let me take you aside on this. <laughs> uh, that would know, be the I mean, United that was, States. That was hilarious. I yeah. mean, we can't make this stuff up. He d- he actually said that. Yeah. So, all right. That yeah. That's great. Voters in Venezuela, in Venezuela. Narrowly defeated proposed overhaul to the Constitution, granting President Hugo Chavez sweeping new powers. They narrowly defeated 5149. 5149. It was the first major electoral defeat in nine years of his presidency. Uh, An internal CIA memorandum was obtained by Venezuelan counterintelligence from the U.S. Embassy in Caracas, revealing a plot to destabilize the government there around the election. I yeah. guess. Well, I yeah. don't know what well, I happened. don't know if that was the margin of victory. And, and, and look, yeah. there were 69 measures that these people were oh, voting. I know. It was a sweeping, I mean, yeah. you, know, uh, you know. I think that, I'm, I'm not defending that at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have voted against it. Yeah. I mean, given uh, the president yeah. all kinds. Take I mean, your time, dude. Yeah, we'll make you president for a lot longer than was constitutionally mandated yeah. and give you all these other things. I mean, really, you, you just have to shake your head and go, and no. It's amazing that it was that close. Yeah. To tell you the yeah. truth. A lot of people do trust him down there, apparently. Well. To, to have, can you imagine a sweeping measure like that uh, actually passing a vote here? No. 
No. <laughs> well, in the United uh, it, well, yeah. yeah. No, it has happened. Many of these things have happened, giving the president yeah, sweeping yeah. powers. But, but they but, didn't. We weren't put to a popular. No, that's vote. what I'm talking yeah, about. Know, popular vote. Yeah, right. I know. Just our just our elected leaders. Yep. Our Russian President Vladimir Putin won a landslide victory in Russia's parliamentary elections amid widespread reports that millions of citizens were coerced into voting for his party, United Russia. Thousands of public sector workers have complained that they were threatened with losing jobs or bonuses if they did not cast their ballot for the pro-Kremlin United Russia. Yeah. There. That said, Australia ratified the Kyoto Protocol, pledging to meet a global target on reducing emissions of greenhouse gas. Yes. It was the first official move for the new prime minister, Kevin Rudd. Who looks at his boogers? <laughs> no, his, yeah. his earwax. Oh, his earwax. Well, it's not, ear boogers. It's, it's, some, it's, it's some kind of substance that came out of his body, and he apparently is enamored with it in some manner. But I uh, think that's a healthy thing. Yeah. yeah. He's just monitoring. I told you last week, he's monitoring. He's got, if it tastes a little too tart, he yeah. knows that he may be, you know, you know, maybe getting a cold or something. And then, well, and and uh, he, he, yeah, I know. it's it's the it's well, green, think, greenhouse effect in his ear. I essentially, think should, I think we should all be doing a little more monitoring of our bodies in that regard. So yeah. my hat's off to him. Are he's, you saying something? He's to a me, vision. No, he's, a, he's a visionary. <laughs> something. The man's wrong? a visionary, and I think we should respect that. I can't help the hair loss. <laughs> I, uh, I, there's nothing I can do about that. Uh, Senator Joe Biden warned President Bush that he would move for impeachment. Impeachment. If the president unilaterally authorized a military strike against Iran, now, well, if, oh, good. So I didn't if, know the, you, the word "unilaterally," I think, is the key in here. Is that what he said? In, yeah, unilaterally. unilaterally. Well, Mr. Biden, if if Israel joined us in that attack, does that knock it off the table? You won't impeach him. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I said unilaterally. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I like Joe Biden just fine, but he does have a history of saying. Except Saying, ah, oh, you know, we're going to do this, and by God, by, for Anita with, Hill. by the last breath of my body, I will Except fight for, for this. Clarence Thomas. And then he just sort of withers. And, Joe Biden. And, oh, I just remembered I got, yeah. a, my, I got a thing with that guy, and I got to go. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to have a, a beer yeah. with Joe Biden. Yeah, he's, he'd be great company. He's a smart enough guy, and yeah. I, I think he's got some. But there is something about him that just doesn't quite sync up with what he says and what he does. And so there you have it. Uh, it was reported that Scott Block, the Bush-appointed head of the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, who heads a probe into potentially illegal partisan political activities conducted by Karl Rove and other White House officials, is himself the focus of a federal investigation. Of course he is. <laughs> who isn't well, being of investigated? Of course he is. This should just be, the, there should be like a template story. Uh-huh. The you guy know, investigating I, the Bush administration is hopelessly corrupt. And he's under investigation by somebody. Can we just have Clinton-style corruption again, please? Plug in the names and move on. We just move back to that period of time. I I want to talk a little bit about politics. the Democratic Policy Party and and had sex with an intern. Can't we just go back there? Yeah, we can. No, we can't. I'm sorry. We can't. Uh, Congressional Democrats reached a compromise to boost automobile fuel economy by 40%, clearing the way for a House vote on an energy bill that Democratic leaders would like to send to President Bush before Christmas. First time in 18 years. 18 years in the midst of mounting evidence, overwhelming evidence, that the planet is drowning in carbon emissions that is on the verge of, the environment is on the verge of collapse. Well, and that we're running out of oil. And they're running out of oil. This Congress, after 18 years, has finally decided collectively to do something about 
something that could have a dramatic impact on on the environment, which is raise the CAFE standards for for automobiles in this country. If they raise it five, let's go crazy and say 10 miles per car, um, we would have a significant impact on on the amount of emissions that are are, are being, spewing into the atmosphere, and it's taken them 18 years to do something about this. Yeah. Ugh. Citigroup, Inc., the biggest U.S. bank by assets, will receive a $7.5 billion cash infusion, infusion from Abu Dhabi huh? to replenish capital after record mortgage losses wiped out almost half of its market value. Abu Dhabi. Dobby. Yeah. Now, I, 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 I don't want to say this. It may not be true. Mm-hmm. But is, he the, is this the same financier who was involved in the port, the takeover of the yeah, yeah, I mean, ports? Yeah. yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about mainly, it doesn't matter really where it, it comes from, I don't think. What, it, what matters no, it doesn't is really that, matter. that Citibank is, is, is crashing. Yes, yeah, yeah. desperate. And this brings uh, me to a story <clears throat> that I just heard something about last week. Um, which I'd never heard of this thing. It's called the FHL. It's the Federal Home Loan Bank. It's essentially a a bank that facilitates the housing market in the United States. And I think the idea is to sort of provide a safety net. It's sort of the, it it sounds like it's in some manner the same as the FDIC, which is the insurance for your money when it's in a bank. Yeah. It it seems like it's in that same realm. And there are 11 regional banks across the country. And Countrywide, who is the, sa- is the uh, lender that is in, apparently in the most trouble because of the subprime market collapse. Yeah. Apparently, they've been the ones who have been most aggressive in going after the subprime market. And, and their, the percentage of their loans that are in, in danger of collapsing is the highest among any of the lenders. And apparently, unbeknownst to certainly the general public and most of the legislators, in the country, $51 billion was lent to them by the Atlanta branch of the FHL. Now, if this is $51 billion and they are still crying uncle yeah. at, at Countrywide, that they're still in trouble. That is a bad sign. I know that Charles Schumer, the senator from New York, is looking into this because I think it came as a shock to him and I'm sure to others that this is going on, that where we may be, and this may be just the tip of the iceberg in terms of how much money is flowing out of the government into the coffers of these savings and loans, I mean these, uh, these lenders, in the hopes of propping them up. Just to give you some sense of, the, of this, uh, this crisis that is, that is facing the financial markets. And uh, I, I haven't heard anything since then about it, except that uh, Schumer was looking into a $51 billion, essentially, Save us loan. No. From, so, uh, I. I <laughs> By the way, yes, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. If you tuned in hoping not to hear us, yes, and instead desperately to, uh, to hear Dar Jamel, yeah, uh, Mr. Jamel has a. Uh, uh, he's he's going to the doctor right now. He's, he's not feeling up to par. He called us this morning and excused himself and said he'll be back on soon and. And we well, look forward to that yeah. and hope he feels better soon. Let's just throw in a plug here. Uh, Dar Jamal is the uh, author of Beyond the Green Zone, Dispatches from an Unembedded Journalist in Occupied Iraq, and has uh, quite a background. He was a uh, doing something completely different, living in Alaska, working on, I forgot. Being exactly. a tour guide in tour Alaska. Guide. That was it. And, and he uh, heard about the war in Iraq? 
Yeah. Got a laptop and went there. Yeah. Got a camera, a laptop, and started uh, doing investigative journalism on his own and yeah. has really chronicled the war in Iraq better than the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times put together. Yeah. Yeah. So so we missed out on that. Yeah. Well, and well, instead you're subjected to... To the buffoonery is uh, that, that we call weekly signals. That would be, <laughs> that would be us. Um, I'm Mike Casper, and that is Nathan Callahan. And this is KUCI 88.9 FM. I just said that. I know you did. A federal judge in California. Oh, you know what? We were talking about the account, the uh, economy. I just wanted to add this. Yeah. In. There's a little local news. Oh yeah. Here, which is saddens me too. Here in in Irvine, across the street from uh, the where Floor used to have its headquarters, which would be across Jamboree. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is now a shopping center there. There's, they were putting in a new development called Central Park West, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this I don't is know a high-rise. Yeah. But there's a lot of, what I liked about it, it was uh, dense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were trying to, to get people centralized sure. near a business area where they're shopping, so they didn't need to drive their cars. Right. You know, kind of a, a, a nice way of looking at uh, a metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. Um, they have stopped building that now. Oh. Uh, they were expecting to have 1,200 units in in the next couple months, and they're going to just finish 200 of them. They've stopped all construction right now because of the housing well, market. I hadn't heard about this. Yeah. Well, is so, it, I, and that that is carried is out through all of of the United States right now. Is, is what's there, going on in in, uh, in because real estate? Just, they just know no one's in the market right now. Is that well, what? because of the situation with with the interest rates, right. because of you know just. No one can afford it because people have strung themselves out on on uh, mortgages that are yeah. you know the credit is well, is uh, run to the very end. Yeah, the the, the big problem people is people have speculated yeah. and and artificially inflated prices on homes so yeah. that you have to pay four million dollars. You have to you know, really to get into a home in Southern California. A million dollars is not very much yeah. to spend on a right, home. Right. It it, <clears throat> it it's a sad situation, and as you just. To add on to what you just said, so many people, as as I'm sure you all know, listening, that uh, are taking so much money out of their their homes, yeah. with the idea that it would continue to go up five, ten, fifteen, twenty percent every year or two. Well, that's uh, that's ridiculous to start off with. Well, of course, yeah. it, it always was a fool's game. Yeah. People, anyway, and the well, other, you have to get out fast. Yeah, and and early get out fast. And, and so much and, of our economy and, now, and in the meantime, is, you wreck the economy. Is business is is built upon the idea that. Home home pricing will continue to rise for a period of time. I got a little bit of an experience, a little bit of taste of this when I was working for my sister, who's in the uh, appraising business. And it was clear to me very quickly that everybody that's in the game is trying to jack up the price. Of course, the seller wants the highest price he can get. Of course, the agent is trying to jack it up a little bit more because they get a bigger commission. Then that puts pressure on the appraiser come in with an appraisal that meets these expectations and then the banks of course they want as much money out there loaned out as they can because uh in the banking industry money sitting in your vault is not making you any money you want it out there Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of pressure external pressure internal pressure to drive housing prices up everybody was making money for a while and the gold rush is over and a lot of people are going to pay the price greed a federal judge in California ordered the Bush administration to comply with the Electronic Frontier Foundation Freedom of Information Act demand. I'll divide that up so we can understand it. I got it. The Electronic Frontier Foundation mm-hmm. put in a demand, according to the Freedom of Information Act, yes. 
to disclose documents revealing the federal government's communications with telecommunications carriers and members of Congress regarding efforts to amend FISA and provide amnesty to telecoms. Right. The court also imposed an extremely quick deadline for release of these documents, December 10th, so that the public may participate in the debate over the pending legislation on an informed basis. Well, three cheers for the Electronic Frontier yeah, they, Foundation. Yeah, they, they, they wanted, the, the administration wanted, the, this, they didn't want this information to come out at all uh, because they're trying to give blanket immunity to the telecoms who they were, who they essentially hijacked, or maybe they went willingly, who knows, uh, to warrantlessly wiretap Americans and uh, also... Um, what was the other part of the story? Anyway, so the Electronic fr- uh, Freedom Frontier. I could make something up. No, I can't remember the, the first part of that. doesn't matter. Yes. I'll just move on. Telecommunications. I'm, no, I'm just going to say. Telecommunications. No, they, they wanted to, they wanted, they, they essentially. Freedom of information. Yeah, freedom of, never mind. Forget it. Yeah. You explain <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm getting a little punchy. Sorry about that. All right. Well, you wanted to talk to Darjamal today, and we didn't get to you. Yeah. 12 states sued the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency over new regulations that make it harder for the public to learn about toxic chemicals in their communities. So there were regulations on the books now in the Bush administration to make it more difficult to find out if we're eating Agent Orange, apparently. <coughs> yeah. And not Agent Orange. I'm making that up. I know you are. But I know what it's you mean. Toxic chemicals. Toxic wherever chemicals. they may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to know the states? Go ahead. I can name them off. All right. New York, Arizona, California, Connecticut, Illinois, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Vermont. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah? He wasn't even reading that either. Uh Uh-uh. I I committed that to memory. It's a little song I make up in my head. (laughs) Well, that's that's, that's fascinating. After concluding that Julie McDonald, the Bush administration appointee, may have improperly influenced several rulings on whether to protect imperiled species under the Endangered Species Act, The Fish and Wildlife Service revised seven decisions on protecting species across the country. So they revised those decisions that this buffoon, Julie McDonald, who had absolutely no experience in environmental protection. She was a political appointment and a tool of industry. Absolutely. Yeah. So she said, so so they kept ruling, no, these aren't endangered species. You go ahead and build that, uh, that, you put that slab of concrete on that that, uh, swamp. (laughs) And it's called a, a wetlands. Wetlands, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. That's what I meant to say. And, wetlands. Yeah. And anyway, and so, you can call it and a now swamp. The, and then they said, "I love now, swamps." Now they've come back to say, "No, wait a minute. Those are endangered species, and no, you can't move forward with those projects." Yeah, we, we've corrected a mistake. Democratic leaders voted to strip Michigan of all its delegates to the national convention next year as punishment for scheduling an early presidential primary in violation of party rules. What a load. We could we could go on about that. What a Michigan, load. Michigan has every right to have a primary whenever it damn well pleases. The Democrats are just doing this as a little blustery move here. They're not going to keep Michigan out of anything. Because New Hampshire, those... Yeah, I can't even. I don't even the folks go. in New Hampshire have have a uh, the whining a cabal little over babies there. in New Hampshire primary cabal. The primary cabal that's held the uh, presidential primary process hostage since only since nineteen the fifties. Sometimes yeah. it was nineteen fifty four, fifty two, fifty six. One of those they, you where, know, where they moved their primary up to the front, and uh, of the demographically, parade. you you got white bread there. 
you couldn't add, you you literally be be hard pressed to find a less representative state uh-huh. in the nation New Hampshire, New Hampshire where we have our or, primary or, Iowa. or a lot of yeah or Iowa where, These, with the two states where we pretty much decide who the finalists are going to be yeah. in 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 the we presidential contest we certainly winnow down the, yeah. the list of of candidates uh by the time you get out of New Hampshire and then Iowa yeah. it's usually down to two or three candidates Absolutely. on both sides when most of the hell ninety nine percent of the country hasn't had an opportunity to absolutely register and, their and Michigan would have been a fine state to have to be more representative manufacturing the, urban absolutely. culturally diverse yeah but no oh wait a minute we can't have that because a lot of different issues so so these guys go to Iowa and talk about farm subsidies and gas and ethanol yeah they go to New Hampshire and talk about military bases that they they want to keep open yeah and uh, lighthouses and lighthouses and and this sort of and this what is patrician era talk about arrogant moose. air that these people have believe me I speak some experience well Nathan and I have been involved in a campaign that took us to New Hampshire and uh, uh, trust me, you do, this is not the place that America should be deciding its future. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Scientists announced the discovery of what appears to be the world's most intact dinosaur mummy, a 67-million-year-old plant eater that contains fossilized bones and skin tissue and possibly muscle and organs. They're looking into that. Preserved by a natural fluke of time and chemistry, the four-ton mummified... Four-ton! I know. Four-ton mummified duck-billed herbivore common to North America could reshape the understanding of dinosaurs and their habitat. Yeah. That was pretty cool looking, yeah, too. Yeah, uh, I, saw a little, I saw the computer-generated yeah. thing of it, and it looked pretty neat. Yeah. Can I, can, I'm going to throw in a presidential story, which I, I just think it's sort of the pile-on effect here, but it's about, it has to do with Giuliani. Okay. Uh, Giuliani uh, is facing new questions over hundreds of thousands of dollars in questionable billing expenses during his time as mayor of New York. According to Politico, um, they're reporting that Giuliani billed several obscure agencies for costs related to his visits to the Hamptons, where he began his affair with his future wife, Judith Nathan. Uh, this comes on the heels of his stuff with Bernie Carrick and and his decision to move the, uh, the operations uh, center into the World Trade Center against the advice of almost everyone yeah. who had any sense about this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, his question is, uh, his judgment is certainly in question here, and his ethics and being involved with Carrick by itself should be a disqualifying uh, yeah. factor for yeah. Rudy, I, yeah. Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, I, I'm surprised he's still afloat. I he, don't he's, under, he's, really understand. You know what? He is. He's. He to me, he's not going to win the nomination. I really do think that uh, it's going to come down. I think McCain. And Huckabee made. Yeah, I was going to say Huckabee and Keith. Yeah, and by oh the way, God. I heard this uh, uh, earlier, and that is, he is a, a reverend. He mm-hmm. is a minister, an ordained Southern Baptist minister. Yeah. Why do they constantly refu- refer to Al Sharpton as Reverend Sharpton? And yeah. they have, I haven't heard anyone in, in mainstream press uh-huh. refer to him as Reverend Huckabee. Huh? He is. He's an ordained. Of course, he's a governor. He was a former governor too. But I'm. I don't know, Mike. Uh, why are you asking me this well, question? I don't, because I want to hear. I don't know I if you know. just to go on a little bit on McCain. Did you uh, happen to hear his comment uh, uh, last week to uh, Ron Paul in that YouTube debate? No, I missed. Uh, it. Where he uh, said that it was people like Ron Paul that made World War II and Hitler possible. <laughs> Uh, because of uh, Ron Paul's calling for uh, withdrawal from Iraq, he he was saying that uh, Paul was an isolationist. Uh, what did, and, did Paul have anything to say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Paul, Paul said, you know, uh, 
it's pathetic, he didn't say that, but he should have, it's pathetic, Mr. McCain, that you do not know the difference between an interventionist and an isolationist. I am not either one of those. Good for him. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to impose the will on a sovereign nation, the, yeah. of, of the United States. And anyway, I may not agree with a lot of Ron Paul, what yeah. he has to say, but thank, thank goodness he's in that race to, to provide some countervailing sense to this whole thing for, on the Republican yeah, side. Absolutely. Okay, so. And uh, you have another story there, Mike? No, I'm just kind of thumbing through I, some stuff. I, I would like to get to this Harris I, poll. I know you. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the Harris poll up right now. We just went straight through the show. We didn't take a break or anything. That would I be gonna, us. I was going yeah. to take a little break. But uh, according to a new Harris poll, more Americans believe in a literal hell and the devil than Darwin's theory of evolution. The poll of 2,455 U.S. adults from November 7th to November 13th found that 82% of those surveys believed in God. 82% of surveys believe in, in God. God. Is that, uh, 79% believe in miracles. 75% in heaven. 72% believe that Jesus is God or the Son of God. How many? Now, I, what was that percentage? Or <laughs> the Son of God. Uh, <laughs> 72%. Okay. Well, you know, he's either God or the Son of God. I don't know, you know, I... I have to so, talk to God about whether he's the son of God or not. The I mean, whole idea how, of how the can I figure this thing out? All right, okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I mean, it, it's it's, just, it's very frustrating to me yeah. that people have to to make up these mythological designations like Zeus and uh, I under, in fact I think the Greeks had it much better together. Yeah, you mean the, the multiple? With, you might as well have like many many gods sure. because I don't think they didn't think of them as gods. They didn't think of them as one. They thought of them as deities and they and they and they saw themselves through all these different dimensions of the different gods. And right. so they had a better understanding about who they were and the nuances but, of life and yeah. death and and all. But of all this. we have yeah. is is is. Or, or all this country has is one guy yeah. that was supposed to be perfect, and right. and if he wasn't God, he was the son of God. Right. And and what is it? Walking 72%, on water. Yeah, seventy-two percent of of the people the, here believe that he was God. That, and they, they do, and they do. I, I guess what the other frustrating thing is the Harris poll uh, and, and and things like this do not help to um, make it any easier to discern whether. Jesus was a smart guy, whether he said any truth. Yeah. The questions are never about that. It's, do you think he's well, God? Well, yeah, he's God. Well, well yeah. And, and, uh, and so can, when, you, so can you say what he preached? So, what, so when a guy like... Uh, nope, so but he's I, God. He's God, yeah. So what is it? Yeah, exactly. So what a guy like uh, Huckabee and the others, that when they raised their hand, when they were asked the question, do you believe in... Do you, do you believe... Yeah. What are they supposed to say? Wait, no, what did, I want to get the question right. He said something to the effect, uh, do you believe in creationism over, in, over Darwinism? Or yeah. was that, was, that was I don't know what the yeah, question yeah. was. But. But, and the four of these, uh, the nine oh, yeah. guys raised their hands and say they believe in creationism. creationism yeah. and it, 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 it's a matter of it, poll numbers. It, it bodes well for Mike Huckabee is what it yeah. does. And, uh, you know, all these things. I mean, the one that I find the most frustrating is belief in hell and the devil was expressed by 62%. Yeah. Uh, I, this, this. The belief in hell. Now, now, if you're talking about hell on earth, 
I, believe, I would I would believe that you could get a hundred percent on that I believe if they in that. walk into a rack. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, yes, that's right. But if you believe in some sort of you know little about that. Yeah. playground that you were told about when you were young, where where everyone that goes there burns, well, you know that's pretty pathetic. I feel, and so I bring the story up only to put things into context. Yeah. So when our listeners are out there frustrated about the, the situation here in this country. Yeah. They can say to themselves, why, of course it's this way. Because 80% of the people think that, that Jesus is God, and 62% believe that there is a and devil there, in hell. And there are some consequences. This isn't just idle chatter in terms of what people believe or don't believe. The, the consequences of this are, and this is something that I'm, uh, um, makes me very angry about the way that George Bush has played upon this these insecurities that's what i'm going to call them these insecurities in 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 framing this situation in the middle east as good versus evil yeah this plays right into that sensibility uh that and and the and the the the, the effect is i mean the, the practical effect is it appears that we have strains of religious fanaticism in the middle east battling strains of religious fanaticism in the West. That's not an appearance, Mike. Well, certainly, okay, well, the, the manifestation of it is, is, is one part of this policy, this misguided policy in the Middle East. It's not the totality of it, but certainly one part of it is this religious fanaticism mm. that is driving this policy that is destroying the Middle East, Iraq, God, and and Syria, and Jordan, and and eventually Israel will also bring this country into a state of chaos because we will it, it's it's craziness it's yeah. absolute madness and uh uh, very, very uh again on those uh, survey figures only 42% of those surveys said they believed in Darwin's theory of natural natural selection yeah. this is a Harris poll in the US only 42% People say they believe in Darwin's theory of national, natural selection. I would suggest that the people who don't, the 60% that don't, yeah. should perhaps not then get any of the benefits of Darwin's theory of natural selection. All the biological, scientific advantages that we now are, are uh, privileged to, to secure here, uh, you know, for our health and for our well-being. I don't think uh, if they don't believe in it, well, why why should they take part in it? It's it's it's. And on that happy note, I think we we pretty much. And finally, uh, Mike. And finally. And finally, Mike. <laughs> yes. And finally, cannabis cultivation rose forty percent in Afghanistan this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Weekly Signal's Weekly Review is broadcast every Tuesday on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. To learn more about Weekly Signals or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.